Hey everybody, this is Alf speaking. Welcome back to the Macro Compass. This week, we need to chat about the pension fund drama. It's happening in the UK. We see that all over the headlines. The real question is, could it happen in Europe or in the US too? Now, to give you some context first, we need to know that we are talking about a $40 trillion industry here. Now, years and years of lower rates and very low cross-asset volatility led pension funds across the world to make a more aggressive use of derivatives. Now, most of those were for hedging purposes, but not all of those. Derivatives require very little cash investment upfront, and these freed up additional capacity to invest in higher yielding, often illiquid assets, because a pension fund doesn't always only need to hedge uh, interest rate risk, but also it needs to be able to generate better returns. And if volatility is so low, why not, right? Why not investing some of this cash into higher yielding and often more illiquid assets? Now, as the perfect storm is hitting market, we are about to find out about the why not part. And in this article, I'm going to break down the dynamics behind the UK pension fund drama and discuss whether a similar episode could hit the European or the US pension fund industry and what the implications for markets and portfolios could be. Now, I talked about the context, right? We are talking about a 35 to 40 trillion dollar industry here. That's the global pension fund industry. It's very large. It's systematically important, not only because of its size, but also because of its social impact. And lately, we have seen some scary headlines coming from the UK where the Bank of England had to backstop pension funds by limiting the relentless rise in 30-year yields. Now, let's break down exactly what happened first. Now, pension funds are in the business of accumulating premiums today and investing them such that they will be able to pay out pensions in the future. So basically, from a balance sheet perspective, pension funds' liabilities are a promise to pay a stream of retirement cash flows far in the future, 20 to 30 years from now, and this organically exposes pension funds to interest rate risk. Now, if you think of the market value of the balance sheet, on the liability side, the discounted value of these liabilities basically goes down if interest rates go up and vice versa. So because of the long duration nature of these liabilities, there is an embedded interest rate risk into those. And obviously these risks need to be hedged, at least to a certain extent, to guarantee solvency of the pension fund. But funds must generate returns too. So if we talk about the hedging part first, if you have these long-dated liabilities, then generally buying long-dated bonds would be an obvious candidate as a choice to hedge this interest rate risk. And that's indeed correct. But as yields kept moving lower for a decade or more, that also meant that pension funds were locking in all their cash in low-yielding products. Think about the asset side of a pension fund balance sheet. Now, they not only need to hedge risks, but they also need to generate returns. So a more convenient instrument became increasingly popular, swaps. Now, an interest rate swap, a receiver interest rate swap, basically allows you to enter into an agreement where you will receive cash flows at a fixed rate that you lock in today, and you will be obliged to pay cash flows at a prevailing floating rate over time. So you're basically locking in today's expectation for where future interest rates will be. All right, that sounds like a convenient way to hedge interest rate risk, but where is the trick? Now, the trick is that the beauty of a swap is that there is basically no principal investment upfront. Now, these derivatives are cleared through clearing houses. They require a small initial margin 
at the beginning, just a little cash upfront as an investment. And also they require obviously variation margin to be met through the lifetime of the investment. But most importantly, this means that the cash that would have been invested in long-dated safe bonds that require a larger cash investment upfront can now be deployed in higher yielding investments. As WAPs require only a small investment upfront, cash has been freed up, and these higher yielding investments in a low return environment were vital for pension funds to deliver the return necessary to service pension payouts in the future. Now, this also led, together with other things, um, swaps to become very popular as a hedging tool to the point that swaps, long-dated swaps, traded a premium to long-dated government bonds. And I put up a chart as well in the article if you want to uh, have a look at that. Now, let's recap for a second. So pension funds are sitting on a very large amount of 30-year interest rate swaps that they mostly use to, to, use to hedge their long-dated liabilities. Now, this requires very little upfront cash investment so that cash can be directed instead towards higher expected return assets, stocks, emerging markets, credits, et cetera, et cetera. Now, at a certain point, this happens. And this is a massive drawdown in long-dated interest rates in the UK. I put up a chart in the article that visualizes how big this drawdown was. And this is important because institutional investors' risk models, and trust me, I have a first-hand experience there, are mostly based on five to 10 year historical volatility. And they're hence unprepared to deal with extreme moves like the one we saw. The amount of cash that was required to meet the variation margin, the so-called margin calls, when the move in interest rates is six to eight times a standard deviation is so large that pension funds started to struggle. But remember when the cash, where this cash was invested, because if you need to raise cash to meet margin calls, you need to be able to post collateral to a place that will accept your collateral, will give you funding, and you can use this cash that you just raised to meet your margin calls. The problem is that this cash was invested in riskier assets that clearing houses will not accept as collateral. Now, the other place where you can normally get funding to solve this liquidity problem is through central banks. But pension funds do not have a direct access to central bank which makes it impossible for them to post collateral and receive funds to meet margin calls this way. Now, all of a sudden, you have a typical liquidity problem. And the only way out is to liquidate assets, all of them, and meet margin calls in order to avoid turning a liquidity problem into a solvency issue. And amongst the assets you can liquidate, guess what you do first? You liquidate the ones that you can literally sell. And government bonds are the first in line because you know, large sales of government bonds will allow you to raise a lot of cash to meet margin calls, but they will also compound the problem. Rates will keep rising as you keep selling government bonds. Market makers who are supposed to warehouse this risk and have a lot of capacity to absorb have been crippled by regulation and are unable and unwilling to offer liquidity. And so a domino-like vicious circle unfolds. And now the central bank is forced to step in. They need to stop the bleeding by basically purchasing as many long-end bonds as necessary to limit the cascading risks that are looming large. Now, we just talked about how a huge, systematically important sector like the UK pension fund industry was effectively experiencing an acute liquidity crisis and on the verge of morphing into a solvency crisis. This is quite serious stuff. Now, the real question is, can it happen in Europe or in the US too? Now, the UK certainly has a lot of idiosyncratic features that compound the issue. So if you think about it, the UK has almost 1.8 trillion worth of defined benefit pension schemes. 
And these defined benefits pension schemes require larger or extensive use of derivatives and return-seeking strategies compared to defined contribution pension scheme. But most importantly, the UK pension fund industry is gigantic, both compared to the size of its economy, almost 120% of GDP, and to the size of the underlying bond market. I put up a table in the chart that shows uh, how large are pension fund assets as percentage of GDP ranked amongst OECD countries. Now, as you can see, there are some very large industries, for instance, in the Netherlands, where there is a pension fund industry at 200% of GDP. So should Dutch and Europeans be worried about it? My answer is yes and no. So they should be worried about it, yes, for two reasons. Because a sharp move in 30-year European rates could spark very similar dynamics amongst Dutch pension funds too. There are differences between Dutch and UK pension funds, but the overall dynamics could be pretty similar. Yes, also because what we didn't talk about so far is that derivatives are not only interest rate derivatives, but they're also FX forwards, for example, or FX derivatives. They're used by pension funds to hedge their FX exposure that derives from foreign bonds and foreign equity investments. There are commodity derivatives, there are futures and so on. And volatility is picking up everywhere. So margin calls are not only a story of interest rate derivatives, but they could pop up where you least expect them. The reason why you should not worry too much about it if you're a European investor is because the size of the European pension fund industry as percentage of European bond market, European repo markets is much smaller than in the UK. Also, that means that the magnitude of such an episode could be more contained. So despite the dynamics to be rather similar, despite there are more derivatives involved, not only interest rate derivatives that we just discussed, the fact that there is an underlying bond and repo market, which is much larger in Europe, could also limit the magnitude of the problem. Now, one final word about how this could, be, could have an impact on portfolios and uh, markets going forward. Stability breeds instability. And this is what Hyman Minsky used to say. Uh, I'm going to add two more sentences. Instability brings volatility, and volatility breeds more volatility. Now, when the most liquid and deep market in the world, which is the bond market, experiences daily swings, which are at least three to five times bigger than the last decade average, it is mechanically impossible for large institutional investors to allocate capital in riskier assets. And a very leveraged system can only become more unstable when the very base of the pyramid, the bond market, is this volatile. Now, the pension fund drama is a case in point. Add to the equation the fact that today, 13th of October, US inflation report showed how core services prices, the stickiest component of the CPI basket, keep marching higher. I put up a chart that shows that US year-on-year -year core services CPI, X energy and food, the stickiest component of the inflation basket, just hit 40 years high on a year-on-year -year basis. And though this is mostly due to the lagged impact of an overheating housing market in 2021 and rent of shelter that is calculated with the lag, basically in the CPI, the Federal Reserve will be setting monetary policy looking in the rearview mirror. They will keep tightening almost no matter what. Now, if you're a long-only investor, and as I always say, there is a time to go long, a time to go short, and a time to go fishing. If you're a long-only investor, you can't go short. You definitely can't go long in this environment. It's time to do just as little as possible. 
So accordingly, my long-only ETF portfolio hasn't really changed in its positions. It's very heavy on dollar cash. It's very underweight on all assets, basically. Equities first and foremost, all risk assets, also underweight gold, underweight any asset, really. Also bonds, only patiently waiting to accumulate 10 year plus. And we have had a try in June, it didn't work. And now we're patiently waiting for a better entry point. When it comes to my tactical macro portfolio, the idea there is to generate double digit total return every year, long short trades across asset classes, the horizon is one to three months. It remains short the Russell 2000 as a short equity bet. And also it remains in downside options of sterling against the Swiss franc, betting on a further depreciation of the, the pound against the Swiss franc. Now, um, guys, one final word is that some major news are coming, major. So stay tuned over the next weeks, very, very tuned. And this was all for today. Thanks for listening. As one last uh, word from my side, please share this article around with your um, friends and colleagues and social media. If you like the Macro Compass, please help me spread the word. It would really make my day. Talk to you next week.